Well, not everyone this morning that's here is from the Philippines, but Monique and Bagantown. Huh? 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 Are you impressed? That means Happy New Year, I think, if you're from the Philippines. At least that's what I was told. It's probably something really horrible it's, that they didn't tell me the, the real truth about. Because it was Shem who told me. And you can't trust him. How did I do, though? Monique and Bagantown. <laughs> well done, Shem. Well, there are some things that have not changed. It's still 19-whatever, <laughs> right? Another thing that has not changed is that I knew that on today, there would be several people who came simply for what has become the, the last Sunday of the year of probably the best humor that you will hear during the whole both previous 12 months and latter 12 months. So leading up to this, it's the best. And then going away from this, it will be the best. You know that, and I know that. And I know that most of you are here simply for that reason. And so, there was a huge nut tree by the cemetery fence. One day, two boys filled up a bucket full of nuts. They sat down by the tree out of sight and began dividing the nuts. One for you, one for me. One for you, one for me, said one boy. The bucket was so full, several rolled out towards the fence. Cycling down the road by the cemetery was a third boy. As he passed, he thought he heard voices from inside the cemetery. He slowed down to investigate. Sure enough, he heard one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. He knew what it was. Oh my, he said. It's Satan and St. Peter and they're dividing the souls up at the cemetery. So he cycled down the road and he found an old man with a cane hobbling along. Come quick, he said. You won't believe what I heard. Satan and St. Peter are down at the cemetery dividing the souls. The old man said, shoo, you brat. Can't you see I'm finding it hard to walk as it is? After several pleas, the man hobbled to the cemetery with the boy and he heard one for you and one for me, one for you and one for me. And the old man whispered, you're telling the truth. Let's see if we can see the devil himself. Shivering with fear, they edged their way toward the fence, still unable to see anything. And then they heard, one for you, one for me, one for you, and one for me. And one last one for you. That's all. Let's go get those nuts by the fence and we'll be done. (laughs) They say that the old man made it back to town ten minutes before the boy did. For you kids who didn't get that, it was funny. <laughs> it seems there was this couple from Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minnesota, who decided to go to Florida for, for a few days to thaw out during one particularly cold winter. Since both spouses worked, they had difficulty coordinating their schedules. So the decision was made to have the husband leave for Florida on a certain day with the wife following him one day later. The man made it down to Florida and arrived at his hotel. Upon getting to his room, he decided to open up his laptop and send his wife back in Minneapolis an email. However, he left off one letter in typing his wife's email address and sent the email off without realizing his error. Anybody ever done that? Sent the wrong email to somebody? In another part of the country, a widow had just returned from the funeral for her husband, who was a minister, and he'd been called to glory just a few days earlier. She decided to check her email because she was expecting some email from... um, from her husband's relatives and friends. And so she turned on her computer 
Upon reading the first email, she let out a loud scream, fainted, and fell to the floor. The woman's son rushed into the room and found his mother on the floor. He glanced up at the monitor's screen and saw the following email message. To my loving wife, I've just been checked in. Everything has been prepared for your arrival here tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you then, your devoted husband. P.S. Man, is it hot down here. Okay, this is called Men Are From Sears, Women Are From Nordstrom's. Just so everyone has a better understanding, I believe that in general, women are saner than men. For example, if you see people who've paid good money to stand in an outdoor stadium on a freezing December day, wearing nothing on the upper halves of their bodies except paint, those people will be male. Without males, there would be no such sport as professional lawnmower racing. Also, there would be a 100% decline in the annual number of deaths related to efforts to shoot beer cans off of heads. (laughs) Also, if women were in charge of all the world's nations, there would be no war. I sincerely believe this. Virtually no military conflicts. And And if there were a military conflict, everyone involved would just feel awful. And there would be soon a high-level high level exchange of thoughtful notes written on greeting cards with flowers on the front, followed by a peace luncheon, which would be salads with dressing on the side. So I sincerely believe that women are wiser than men, with the exception of one key area, and that area is in clothing sizes. In this particular area, women are insane. When a man shops for clothes, his primary objective is to purchase clothes that fit on his particular body. A man will try on a pair of pants, and if those pants are too small, he'll try on a larger pair, and when he finds a pair that fits, he buys them. Most men do not spend a lot of time fretting about the size of their pants. Many men wear jeans with the size printed right on the back label so that... (laughs) This is true. Many men wear jeans with the size printed right on the back label so that if you're standing behind a man in the supermarket line, you can read his waist size and his inseam size. A man could have, say, a 52-inch waist and a 30-inch inseam, and his label would proudly display this information, which is basically the same thing as having the sign that says, Howdy, my rear is the size of a Federal Express truck. The situation is very different with women. When a woman shops for clothes, her primary objective is to not find clothes that fit her particular body. She would like for that to be the case, but her primary objective is to purchase clothes that are the size she wore when she was 19 years old. This will be some arbitrary number such as 8 or 10. Don't ask me what 8 or 10 really means. That question has baffled scientists for centuries. All I know is that if a woman was a size 8 at age 19, she wants to be a size 8 now. And if a size 8 outfit does not fit her, she will not move on to a larger size. (laughs) She can't. Her size is 8. She will keep on trying on size 8 items. Unless they start fitting her, she will become extremely unhappy. She may take this unhappiness out on her husband, who is waiting patiently in the mall, perhaps browsing in the sharper image store, trying to think of how he could just how he could justify purchasing a pair of night vision binoculars. Hi, he'll say when his wife finds him. You know how sometimes the electricity goes out at night? And then she'll say to him, am I fat? And she'll ask this, cutting him off. And this is a very bad situation for the man because if he answers yes, she'll be angry because he's saying that she's fat. 
And if he answers no, she'll be angry because he obviously is lying because none of the size eights fit her. <laughs> there is no escape for the husband. I think a lot of unexplained disappearances occur because guys in malls see their wives unsuccessfully trying on outfits and they realize that their lives will be easier if, if before their wives come out and demand to know where they're fat, the guys just run off and join a UFO cult. Here's how, you go, how, here's how you could get rich. Start a woman's clothing store called Size 2, in which all garments, including those that were originally intended to be restaurant awnings, had labels with the words Size 2. I'll bet you'd sell clothes like crazy. You'd probably get rich and you could retire. Maybe take some philanthropic activity to benefit humanity. I'm thinking here of professional lawnmower racing. I think that's probably true. So, there we go. That's the best I can do this year so far, but it's early, okay? What we want to do this morning for the next few minutes on a serious note is to talk about some things that we did in the last year. I just want to refresh your memories. Like for example, like for example, looking back, 60 days of asking. Remember that? That was a year ago. We were asking, we were seeking, and we were knocking from Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, starting basically with today. And we spent a lot of time praying and seeking the Lord's guidance, asking his will, and God, I think, has blessed us. And so we started our year with asking. We very quickly moved into our faith at risk. And some of you might remember that. That was a series that we did for about two months on basically, is it still justified for us to believe the way that we've always said that we believe? And I have to say that the response to that sermon series was probably the best response uh, that I've had to anything that I've ever done. Like it was amazing, the number of people that made comments afterwards. Uh, a lot of people who normally don't talk to me about sermons were coming up and talked to me about sermons during that series. And it felt good. It was nice uh, for us to to go through that. And especially, I hope that it was a blessing to those who might wonder about their faith, of course, and for our young people to think about who they are and what it means for them to be faithful. We got young adults who wrestle with these kinds of questions all the time. And so we dealt with this uh, for an extended period of time. It was interesting too, by the way, that, that the recent series uh, that Kevin Clark did in class here on Sunday mornings was very similar in terms of the, the kind of content. And it was just a, a benefit, a blessing and benefit to go through both of those things in 2016. Then we had the Strakers come. Jonathan came first for a, a short period and then he left, was back four weeks later or so and brought some folks with him. And we were just so grateful that the Strakers moved here. And Jonathan and Michiko, we're just so grateful that you and your family are here. It's a wonderful blessing. I have this Japanese and the lady back in the back bowing to me. Let me bow to you as well. Because we are just so grateful to have you here. It's a, that's a wonderful thing. We look so much forward to so many wonderful years of serving together and blessing. So that happened in 2016. Another thing is that we really increased our level of community outreach in 2016. In some significant ways. Um, you know, we, we have taken on families in the last year in a way that we have not before. And when I say taken on families, I mean that there are people who are coming to Canada all the time. And we've been 
solicited actually by those who welcomed them into the country and have come to us and said, can you take some of these families? And I think largely that's because they recognize that we will and that we really take it seriously when we do take on a family. And so we've taken on some families and God has blessed us. We've got a whole new ministry that has started with that. We were able to feed children this year in schools like we have not quite done before. We've done it in the past. We increased our numbers this year. We're just grateful that God gives us an opportunity to serve uh, in that way. By the way, when I say we've taken on a family, like very recently we took on another family, um, a family that was in a refugee camp for most of their lives in Tanzania. They came here uh, through Tanzania by way of Burundi. And a, a single mother at this point in Canada, she is married, but her husband is still in Tanzania, but she's, she's now here. She came here with five kids, but she came here pregnant, and over the holidays, she had number six. In fact, I don't even know what it was. What, it was a girl or a boy, Hope? It was a boy? Okay. So she has a brand new baby boy, and we have people in our church that have already been spending the night with that family and caring for them uh, even as the new year has started. So we're grateful th- for that opportunity as well. And then, of course, one of the real blessings to us this year has been the, l- the lunches that take place on Wednesdays and the guys that get fed with that and the ladies, for that matter, who are fed. And uh, it was interesting. I heard a, um, a message just this morning on the phone from one of those guys. His name is Phil. And Phil just called the church and left a message and said, I want to just tell the Calgary Church of Christ, thank you and wish you a happy new year. And I just want you to be blessed in the new year. And it was wonderful that he's thinking about us. Um, obviously grateful for the things that he experienced here during uh, the last year. And so that's a good thing, the community outreach that has increased among us. One of the things that's happened is that we've had building stewardship take place. When I say that, I mean we've done some things to care for our building, some things that really needed to be done. And I'm glad that God blessed us with the means and the ability to do some of those things. We also have entered into an elder appointment process. We haven't said much about this lately, but this is winding down and coming to an end. In fact, just in the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear way more about the elder appointment process and how that has concluded and where things are at as far as new elders uh, coming and serving among us. And so I'm glad that God has blessed us in that way as well, and you'll hear more. We have had our scripture memorization take place, and I'm so grateful to Carrie Nickel for allowing us to work hard on learning scriptures this year. I don't know how many it is. Carrie probably does. Where is Carrie? How many was it in 2016 that we, that we learned? Okay, more than 735 Bible verses were said out here in the hallway to other people listening with names recorded and the date and all that that they were writing down these or were able to recite these memory verses. And that, that wasn't happening before. And so I'm just so grateful that God has blessed us with that wonderful opportunity as well. We've been able this year to look into uh, discipleship in a, in a um, focused kind of way. And we're going to continue to do that. We're going to make that hopefully in the next little while here even more practical than it already has been. And then, of course, as usual, we have done wonderful things around the world in terms of world missions. And we've, we had J. Don Rogers here just a couple of weeks ago. But there are other ways and places in which we've done some really great things this year. So I'm so grateful for 2016 and what happened here. And that's even when so many people have been saying that 2016 was a bad year. 
but there are ways in which God has blessed us richly. Well, I mentioned the Strakers before and the fact that Jonathan and Michiko are here, and I thought that it might be nice if Jonathan would have an opportunity to just say a couple of things about the things that have been blessings to him as he's come and joined the work here. And so please do. You, can, you want to use this microphone? You want to use that one? Brucey, you want to turn that one on for us, please? Thank you. Good, good morning again. There, there we go. Um, yeah, Kelly asked me to say two things. I thought of about five, but I'll keep it to three. Uh, and they're not so much things that we've done or things that have happened, but they're more about who you are. Um, and it goes back beyond last year. So I started the service this morning by kind of focusing on how 2016 was a negative year in many ways. But coming here for our family was not one of those negative things for our experience. Um, we have loved all of our time so far and experiences here. Um, first, as a dad, a selfish thing for me is every Sunday when I come in here, um, Hijidi, our oldest, I'm going to pull a preacher move and talk about my kids in front of you guys. I, I leave our house about 7.15 on a Sunday morning, and our son asks to come with me every Sunday. As a dad, having your son ask to come because he wants to be at church is like, I don't want to hear him to hear me say this, but it's like, yes, 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 yes. Right? And be, that's because not he likes really likes the building. Probably does, I don't know. But it's because of you. It's because when I get up here, I never know where my kids are sitting because they're found families to sit with. I love that. Um, and I, I've said this a bunch of times before. I don't know how to explain it. But what we came from in Japan um, was a service situation that was good for our kids. We loved it. We loved the experiences there. But we didn't have this. So that's a huge thing. The second thing... <clears throat> Somewhere along the line in the song, Jesus Loves the Little Children, the words changed from English, Irish, Scotch, and Jew to red and yellow, black and white. And a lot of churches may sing those words and think that's a neat idea that the kingdom of God might be diverse. But this church gets to experience it. And we have all of those different colors mixed in together and we're all one. We're all brothers and sisters. That's an amazing thing. Please don't take it for granted. It's huge. Um, I'm, I'm blessed because I get to stand up here and look out and see it every Sunday. But I love the fact that we can be a whole bunch of different skin colors, a whole bunch of different accents, a whole bunch of different birthplaces, and all be one body. That's an amazing thing. It's a gift that God has given us. But the third thing, which I think um, is something that we noticed long before we moved to Calgary... Kelly mentioned the Faith at Risk series, which was an, an apologetic series that you did. But I want to put a spin on risk and faith. We noticed years ago that the Calgary Church of Christ is a congregation that strives to be faithful, but in a way that goes out in faith. I love my Church of Christ heritage and upbringing. Um, and... My years as a missionary, we would come back on furloughs and travel across 
all across North America and got to see a lot of churches. We traveled all around Southeast Asia, got to see a lot of churches, and a lot of churches are really struggling right now. They're not healthy, and their definition of keeping the faith is building the walls, closing the doors, backing off, circling the wagons, being protectionist, and and trying to just kind of dig in and hold on. That's not what we noticed about this congregation. The way you are keeping the faith is by going out in faith, um, taking risks, listening, going forward, not being afraid to follow where the Spirit is leading you. And if our brotherhood needs anything, it is to look to churches like this and take confidence that God will lead us to good places if we follow him in faith. So those are my three things. Thank you very much. And again, it's, uh, it's such a privilege to have Jonathan and his family here. And, uh, you know, the, uh, you never know when, it, when a new staff person comes and joins you, you just never know what that's going to be like. And it's a little bit different than a work situation where somebody has authority and somebody gets in a position where they can tell everybody else what to do and there's an owner of a company or whatever like that. And churches don't operate that way. It's always different. And so I, I'm just grateful that we have a staff here where things mesh well, very well. And uh, the last year has been a joy in getting to know you and spend time with you. And, uh, and I, Dustin's not here this morning, but the same thing is true of him and Hope. Uh, it's just a, it's a good thing going on here in terms of those relationships uh, for sure. All right. Well, coincidentally, uh, and this is absolutely coincidental. I didn't even, I didn't have any idea what, uh, what Wayne was going to read this morning, but I, I turned to Robin when he started reading. I said, that's the same thing I'm going to read during the sermon. And it is, I'm going to read that portion of scripture as well. And at first I thought, oh, neat coincidence. And then I thought, no, like there are, I don't know how many verses there are in the New Testament. Let's say there's 900. What are the odds that Wayne and I would pick the same verse to discuss on the first day of the year? I would say the chances of that are like one out of 900 or so. And, but we chose to do so. I want you to turn to the book of Philippians, if you would, please. Philippians chapter 2 is where I'm going to start, and then I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 3. Because we're not just looking back this morning... We also want to look forward. And so Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And that, that verse came to mind because, the, you know, the, the words work out your salvation do not mean work so as to gain your salvation. Salvation is something that Jesus already gave to us. We're not going to work our way into salvation. Nobody is. No, nobody ever has. Nobody ever will. When it says work out your salvation, what it means is God has given you this. This is what you have. You have salvation. Now become what he has made you. Work out among yourselves what it is that God has done. It's like I have two sons. They didn't have to work very hard to become my sons. They just became my sons. But in terms of my idea of what I want them to be as my sons, I want them to work that out. And I'm grateful that they have. It was such a blessing for me 
and, and for Robin, of course, on Christmas morning to be here and to have my family here, to have my boys here, along with my daughter who's always here, whom I love so much, and to have our grandchildren here. And Robin and I just relish that. And I see them working out in their lives, becoming what God wants them to be, not just, of course, as my sons, but as his sons. And so that's what God is calling us to do. And I, so I pray that in 2017, that indeed you think seriously about becoming all that God wants you to be. Because he has saved us. He has given us Jesus and given us salvation. And now we have the responsibility of becoming what it is that he has made us. We're not going to become something different than what we are in the sense that he has made us saved. He has made us his children. But we can become the kind of children that God wants us to be. And so work out the salvation that you have received. And God's going to bless us in 2017. And then I want you to look at chapter 3, again with verse 12. And I just want to read verses 12 through 14. Verse 12 says, Not that I've already attained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so this is certainly not a time for shrinking back, as the Hebrew writer would say. This is not a time for us to rest on laurels. It's not a time for us to be depressed about what the past has done. It's not a time for us to look back and go, ah, you know, the past has been so bad it's defeated me somehow. Instead, this is a time for us to entertain all the potential that God has made possible for us. You know, there's a a mindset in our world sometimes that acts as though we can move ahead and do great things because of our own innate abilities. And Christianity runs exactly in the face of that and says, you know, you cannot do this on your own. This can only happen because God has done something wonderful. And he's going to work through Jesus and through his spirit to continue to make you all that you can be. And so we really do want to press on toward the goal to which God has called us and become all that God wants us to be. And and there's absolutely no reason why that can't happen for you in your life in 2017. There's nothing to stop you. Not if, if God is for us, which indeed he is, then who can possibly be against us, Paul would say in Romans. And so we can, we have the chance to move forward and do wonderful things for Christ in 2017. Well, here's my very short list of the kind of things I hope we see happen in 2017. First of all, I'm hoping that we make discipleship even more practical. And you're going to hear that on Sunday mornings in the sermon series. As we start 2017, we're going to talk again about discipleship, but we're going to flesh this out in in some really practical ways, where where I'm going to probably get right into your daily life and say, this is how I think Christ needs to impact us in some very practical daily activities, the things that you experience every day, and I hope you look forward to that. I hope that'll be a blessing. I'm also hoping that we can increase the impact of our life groups, especially in the direction of reaching others with the good news of Jesus. You know, we've 
We have our life groups. They have functioned at one level. But there's just so much more that needs to happen with our life groups. And I think one of the things that God really wants to do among those, among us through those groups is to reach out with his word through the gospel into the lives of others. And so I'm encouraged about the, the new year, the new start. I hope that you're involved in a life group. If you're not, there's always the opportunity to join one. We have one here on Thursday nights at 6.30 that I'd love to have you be part of if you're not part of a different one already. And we're going to try and do something significant in terms of helping our groups to reach out to others in a way in which we haven't before. And so I hope you look forward to that and can be part of that. Another thing is that the year we begin in earnest, I hope that in this year we begin in earnest to share our faith with others, not just through life groups, but that that becomes an attitude of our church family in general. It's one thing to come to church every Sunday. It's one thing to worship, take the Lord's Supper, learn, grow, build relationships with others that are here. It's another thing for us to think seriously about the need of our world to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so I'm hoping that 2017 is a year in which we take that seriously. And then finally, I'm just hoping that you will, in your own personal walk, your own relationship with Jesus, think about what it means again for you to be a follower of Christ. Come follow me. They left everything and they followed him. Wayne already talked this morning about distractions. And there are distractions everywhere that keep us from following Jesus and leaving everything in order to do so. But I'm hoping that God will bless you with the decision starting January 1st of 2017 to say, I'm going to leave everything if need be and simply follow Jesus. That'll be a challenge. There will be things that will come to distract us. Satan doesn't like hearing me say that. He doesn't like me challenging you with that this morning. But I'm hoping that in the year 2017, you say to yourself, I'm going to set everything else aside and I'm just going to follow Jesus. If we all did that together, God would bless us in incalculable ways. And so I pray that he blesses you with a mindset that allows you to do that in our new year together. Let's pray. Lord, we believe that you want to do things through us, in us, with us in the next 12 months uh, in a way that you've never done them before. We believe, God, that you want to... shape us, mold us, that you want to touch our spirits in ways that we've never been touched before. And God, you know that there are people sitting here and one standing here that needs to serve you like never before. And so, Father, I pray that for them and for me that you would work within us as we begin a new year together and empower us to put the distractions aside and to lay everything aside and simply follow Jesus. Help us through the presence of your spirit beginning today to do that. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.